At that moment, Richard Jones knew he had succeeded in saving the life of a veteran just like him, who was in a mental health crisis. Don't grab my gun, all right? 
I am the police, and I'm here to arrest you. You've broken the law. I did not write the law. I may even disagree with the law, but I will enforce it. No matter how you plead, cajole, beg, or attempt to stir my sympathies, nothing you do will stop me from placing you in a steel cage with gray bars. If you run away, I will chase you. If you fight me, I will fight back. If you shoot at me, I will shoot back. By law, I am unable to walk away. I am a consequence. I am the unpaid bill. I am fate with a badge and a gun. Behind my badge is a heart like yours. I bleed. I think. I love. And yes, I can be killed. And although I am but one man, I have thousands of brothers and sisters who are the same as me. They will lay down their lives for me. And I them. We stand watch together. A thin blue line. Protecting the prey from the predators, the good from the bad. We are the police. I guess I gotta adjust that uh intro at the at the end. Put on our put our new artwork on there, baby. What's up, Sal? I love that. What's going on? Alpha's have been a crazy, another crazy week in in, in the world today, you know? And uh I, I gotta tell you, the guy we have coming on tonight, uh, it's if you thought a few weeks ago and I, we had our friend John McCarry on, this this is a because the story he's gonna tell you, it's hilarious how everything that I mentioned about my own story, right? And then what John McCarry mentioned, it's actually happened, more stuff happened today as of just like an hour ago, okay? So uh, it's just unbelievable, Alpha. I really, I, I don't know if we're better off where we are now today, not working for our respective departments or how would life be if we were cops today where we used to work? I, I don't know. It's my mind <laughs> to hear what I'm hearing about stuff. You know, several times a week, that thought goes through my head. What right. would I what would I be like if I was still doing it today? What would the agency be like? What because I I know me and <laughs> you know I'm gonna go against the grain on a lot of this stuff that's going there. You know what? Divine intervention. Um I will say, you know, I saw some uh I saw a smart ass in, in, in the live chat. I got love for you that said, 
that artwork don't look like Alpha and Sal. You know, that's a couple years ago, all right? When we're still active, all right? You know, you know, well, you know, work with us here. Um, I had glasses down. I had, did wear glasses when I was working in the morning. That would be when on my way back from an arrest or something. From an all-nighter, <laughs> I'd be uh, wearing glasses in the mornings. The sun was bright. But I'll tell you that much, man. Um, before we bring on our guests, though, let me let me get to two sponsors, um, and then we'll do the the last two at the end. Got to pay the bills. Uh, yeah, got to got to pay the bills. So first on deck, you guys. Here we go. Uh, okay, Badlanders, with election season now in full swing, Trump train sightings are predicted to be higher in the coming months than ever recorded. Are you ready? If not, we've got you covered with the heavy-duty hitch mount flagpole kit from your Patriot store. Built to withstand higher speeds, the dual-locking system with pin and thumb screw will keep your flag securely in place even on the highways. Make it East Lake, Ohio. This heavy-duty, made in East Lake, Ohio, this heavy-duty hitch mount comes with a 3x5 American-made flag for you to proudly display on your vehicle or on an easy-pull flagpole at home, also found at your Patriot store. These are heavy-duty flagpoles, proudly made in America, built with extra quality and care. To get Badlanders ready for election season, your Patriot store is offering buy two flags, get one free, and buy two t-shirts, get one free. You have to use promo code BADLANDS35, that's the number 35, to get this exclusive discount. So hurry, this deal is too good to last. They're also a huge, there's also a huge 50% off site-wide sale happening now through next week. So hurry, these deals won't last. Uh, so once again, because that's badlandsmedia.tv slash Patriot Store. And make sure you use promo code BADLANDS35, that's 35, and then our next commercial, and then we're bringing our guest up, Gold Co., you guys. Are you concerned about the $6 trillion at stake in the upcoming 2024 election? The Wall Street Journal has reported a critical issue, the looming decision on extending tax cuts, tax cuts scheduled to expire after 2025. Republicans advocate for extending Trump's tax cuts, while the Democrats lean towards letting them expire and increasing taxes on top earners and corporations, potentially creating a massive $6 trillion gap. But fear not, there's a way to protect yourself with this impending threat. Join the thousands of hardworking Americans who are taking proactive steps to safeguard their savings. Visit BadlandsGold.com to claim your free 2024 gold and silver kit and fortify everything you've worked for. You may even qualify for up to 10% back in bonus silver. But hurry, supplies are limited. Don't leave your financial future to chance. Act now to diversify and shield your savings against the uncertainties ahead. Get your free 2024 gold and silver kit today at BadlandsGold.com and take control of your financial destiny or leave it where it's at and just trust Biden. So, uh, done with the commercials. I know, but just look, I'm looking in the chat. I'd like to say hello to uh, Call Sign Cujo. That's our boy there. Another one, Magravator and Guns and Cafe, who say just got done with their shift, heading home, listening to us. I appreciate it and uh, get home safe always and be safe out there. Uh, now, is that shift work uh, with a badge and some steel, some iron on their hip? It could be. I, th I think uh, many people listening definitely either have that uh, a badge or a, a, an iron on their hip. You know, you know what? I would love to know if, you know, if there's any active cops still. And I know you got to be careful, you know, with department politics. Yeah, 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 careful. Um, you know, but it, if you want to message us, um, you know, my email, the alpha warrior show at protonmail.com. And Sal, what's your email? Uh, mine is uh, um, east coast vibes at yahoo.com. 
or you can actually go to my website on salgreco.com. You get uh, write me emails over there, and I'll uh, I'll uh, definitely check them. Uh, I did get some haters, we'll say, and they're haters that may not particularly like me, or maybe they don't like Roger Stone, or maybe they're directing it towards him. But there was a few haters on there, and that's always fun. But those are the, the emails if you want to reach out to me. Yeah, and, and the reason I, I I put the emails out there is if you're active duty or just recently retired. I'll, let us hear from you guys. What what are some things you want to hear on on the show? What are things you like about the show? What are things you don't like about the show? Just give us some feedback. And like I said, if you don't want to do it in the comments because you want to keep it private to protect your job, um, completely respect that. Uh, if you message me or Sal, we'll, we'll, we'll keep that private. But definitely would love to hear you guys' feedback. Even better if you have any videos or anything that happened <laughs> that's corrupt and you know they're picking on you. Anything like I love stuff like that. Here, here's the thing, you guys. If you're active right now and there's some shit going down at your department and you're like, I don't like that. We know you can't say nothing. You can't come out and say nothing, but you can definitely tell us, hey, Sal, hey, Alf, you might want to FOIA request this case number on this day and then let us take care of the rest. You know, let's let, let's clean up these agencies, you guys. Uh, let's let's keep the good people where they need to be. You know, let's get rid of the bad leadership, put in the good leadership. And you know what? If there are good calls, we know we know media never puts out good calls that are in law enforcement. Let us know about that, too. You know what? We'll, we'll, we'll put some good calls that are out there that need to be heard. So with that, Sal, let's bring on America's most complained about cop. Eric, how you doing, brother? There he is. Outstanding. How you doing? I apologize. My voice is it's coming back. I was sick all week, so hopefully you can hear me good. First of all, that's a badass background. Love it. Sal, happy belated birthday. It's a Thank pleasure you. to be on here. Alpha, I, I love your stuff. You know, that I was watching that intro, and, and I'm not kidding. I actually got chills. And there's something I just want to say that I took for that intro after watching. Of course, we all saw the movie End of Watch, but I'm watching it. And then here at the end, where he talks about the thin blue line, and it's been so metaphoric for us. That thin blue line used to separate the line between the predators and the police. But what it also showed is how thin that blue line actually is amongst the cops and within the law enforcement profession. Because what have we seen since the post-George Floyd effect? We've seen weak police departments penetrated by these politicians and by this woke movement, and it proved how thin that blue line is, that that brotherhood could be deteriorated due to woke politics and because of weak egomaniacs and this and because of their own self-preservation has really destroyed the law enforcement profession. So when I watch that video and you see police officers, you know, doing just amazing work, I always say police officers and cops are ordinary men who do amazing things and and they're willing to give up their lives. But yet this thimble line has been completely destroyed by the weak management of law enforcement. We have politicians, we have legislators, have deteriorated police departments, but ultimately, I put the blame on the weak management of police departments, especially when it comes to the NYPD, because they have a duty and a responsibility to hold the line. And that thimble line has been completely deteriorated, and they did not hold that line. They let it fall apart and crumble. <laughs> I couldn't agree more, man. You know, when we rewind the clock all the way back, 
you know, to when uh, me and Kyle had initially started, you know, this show that that conversation was, you know, what do we want from it? Like, what's what's the mission? And it was to, you know, cops that are, you know, like we're saying, you know, these cops that are still working, you know, message me and sell, you know, behind the scenes because we know you got to protect your careers. But with that, I, I remember all the things that I wanted to say when I was wearing a badge, but you just couldn't. Or you just didn't understand the policy enough to be like, well, can I say this or can I not say that? I mean, shit, they even made it complicated with social media. And, and you always had those internal arguments with the union. Well, hey, if I'm out of uniform, it's mine. You know, I still got the First Amendment. And it's like, but do you? <laughs> you know? And so one of the missions was, let's say all the stuff we know. We, we, we All of us have done this job. Let's say the things we know the cops are thinking. Let's say the things we know the cops are are feeling about whatever the you know the topic is and and let let the american people know hey this is what the what the boys and and girls in blue feel they just can't tell you this is what they need from you they just can't say it but on the other end of it all of us are now also civilians and you know we're we we come off of our our respective agencies and careers didn't treat us the way we treated the career and so we have that perspective to acknowledge that there are fallacies you know in 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 the badge but we get to see things from the perspective of you know sometimes i'll I'll be I'll, i'll see a post and i'll see the the crowd you know the audience the civilians commenting and i'm like look look i i get what you're saying but it's not as easy as you think now i'll smack down a bad call like we saw last week like, I mean, that that lieutenant completely out of line. And I know we're going to get into that stuff a, a little bit. Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> Quite a lot, of, it, got a lot of grief over that, too. But the, the main thing we do by bringing, you know, cops on this show, you know, cops hosting this show is bridge the gap between law enforcement and the community that our government wants to burn down. The government doesn't want cops and the people getting along. They don't want that to be a cohesive workforce. I mean, you see and you hear the talks, oh, community policing and sit- all that is is to appease the public and to get grant money. Because if you really want to build those bridges between law enforcement and the community, we would change the practices the way we do law enforcement. You know, it, there, there's just so many things that we would change. So that thin blue line uh, you're talking about, Eric, it's a hell of a lot. I knew it was thin already, man. But shit, <laughs> thin blue string. How about thin blue string? He can tell you all about it because he was victimized by it. Uh, absolutely. I, like I said, unfortunately, unfortunately, you know, we always had this uh, impression that we have a strong brotherhood. And the public thought so also, right? Talk about, we would hear about the blue wall of silence and we hear about the brotherhood, the camaraderie. But what it proved is how breakable and how how easily penetratable it was. You know, we had a perspicacious mindset to believe that the police department could never fall, could never be penetrated. And what we've seen is that the politics over policing has destroyed every every fragment of the foundation of policing. And, and, you know, particularly, I retired from the New York City Police Department. I was Lieutenant Special Operations. So my forte is on the NYPD. But I think the NYPD is a great model for this because if you ask me, the NYPD was the goat of policing. Right? It was the largest police department in the entire world. And when I watch what's going on with the NYPD, it's, it's, it's really disheartening. 
you know, and we see it spread throughout the entire nation when it comes to police pumps, especially Democratic police pumps throughout the country. But just watching the NYPD, which is so dear to me, you see the case of what happened with Sal Greco, just complete hypocrisy. You see, I myself just attacked by an overzealous civilian complaint review board. My co-host, John McCarry on the podcast, made a decision on his career over a vaccine mandate. It was absolutely ridiculous. And now we see the scientific finding just completely contradicts that entire mandate. And yet we lost veterans of the most iconic police department. Sal was a veteran with almost 15 years on the job with hundreds of DWI arrests, a forte that creates public safety on these roads. John McCarry was a, a very savvy, very knowledgeable lieutenant who should be on his way to, 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 to be the chief. I myself was in that same position with special operations units. I should be on my way to make a chief. This is what we should want. But the alpha white male has been attacked. It's been emasculated police departments. That's the ultimate goal. And I agree 100% what you're saying. You talk about community policing. And they love, you know, they love these, these phrases, fancy phrases to throw around. But they really mean nothing to them. Because when I was doing special operations lieutenant, I can say for myself, doing plain clothes, which was doing intrusive police work, before body cameras and all this post-George post Floyd effect, I would say that we had a better community relation and a better bond with the community than we do now. There were many interactions I would have with persons of interest, subjects, perpetrators that I had interaction, interactions and encounters that actually led to arrests where, where, where things were in a calm. I would see these guys on the corner and we would stop at the corner. We would joke around with them. They would make fun of us. We would make fun of them. It was almost like we had a report together. And it was actually great community policing. It was a great conversation. Sal, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Alf, I see you smiling. I'm sure you worked in a big city. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You guys can speak on it. You want to, you want to grab some of that, Sal? Yeah, I listen, I agree. Like I was saying the last couple of times on here, when uh, I, I'm a big believer in the uh, community policing, I was one of those guys. I used to go to the store, to 7-Eleven. They used to tell me they're not ratting on people. They just look. <laughs> You can't have inconveniences or, you know, people trying to interrupt their way of life and their business. So they want to be friendly with you to let you know, hey, Joe comes around or this guy comes around or whatever. And then they, you know, you, you get a repertoire with these people and then you build a camaraderie with the community. And then that's that's what policing is supposed to be. Uh, now, I believe in the NYPD, it's become let's party all night long at different nightclubs and associate with felons and do all kind of criminal stuff. And Hey, don't do what I'm doing. You worry about yourself because I'm going to come after you for the smallest thing, but don't look at me. That's what it's really become. You know, and Eric's story. I mean, he was victimized. They try to paint Eric into like public enemy. Number one, he's got a, like a tsunami of complaints on him. Most of them is unsubstantiated. Some that the city would just, They'll settle just to get out of, like, this was the way the cities, New York City on the mayor Bloomberg was like a lottery. People would just make a complaint and they'll settle. Why? That was Bloomberg's policy. So Eric was also victimized because of that. I mean, I had a lawsuit, one, the only one in my career, same thing. They sell for like $12,000. They said we were going to fight it because it was garbage. They settled it because that's Bloomberg, his position. So he has all these complaints on his record and they try to vilify him, all these cartoon characters that are in charge today at the NYPD, but he's not guilty of any of that stuff. I mean, he wasn't uh, in violation of, of doing anything. He didn't go to jail. There's no criminal charges on Eric, but they'll make you believe that with that civilian complaint review board, which is completely a political thing these days. In some instances, they jump in. 
they'll say, oh, we're coming after like that lieutenant from last week. In other instances, the, when there's nothing there, they themselves initiate a complaint and they come after you. And luckily, back in the day, they couldn't do this, but I can only imagine how many of these bogus complaints they were going after Eric for. He's got got over 100-some complaints. That's ridiculous. Ridiculous. He wasn't even – he was a lieutenant. He wasn't even handcuffing a guy and, you know, processing the arrest himself. Uh, you know, one thing – and now, this is not an absolute, you know, and, and I'll speak for, you know, my agencies and the neighboring agencies. There was one of two things, you know, or one of – there's a couple, but two main things that if a, if you found the cop that got a lot of complaints, it was going to most of the time fall in one of two categories, an extremely proactive cop. Mm-hmm. And because he's so proactive, you're just going to generate complaints, right? Or this is so weird. The science behind this, it was a cop that hardly did anything, but just got complaints for everything. You know what I mean? It was, it was always one of those, you know, and you had to tell, you know, the, the younger ones is, and this is, I guess, where I kind of saw the transition in law enforcement. We'll get into the story, but I'm liking this cop talk with you guys. We started to, I saw a transition in, you know, by our admin telling us as like as FTOs and trainers is, Hey, um, don't, don't be so uh, aggressively mindset with these guys. Because the way they trained us is, you know, you you ask, you tell, you make. Like, you don't go on around in these circles, you know. And there was this badass sergeant, Ed Cologne. He wasn't going to sit there and do, please, sir, please, sir. It was, you ask, sir, you need to step out of the car. Sir, you need to step out of the car. Or, sir, listen, get out of the car. Get out of the car right now. And then the next thing was he's grabbing him by the back of the shirt collar and pulling his ass out through the window. And, and guess what? He had a reputation in the city, you know, that preceded even my career where if he told people to do something, even the most notorious gang members, they listened because they knew this dude was serious about what he was saying. And it was like, we left that mindset to now where the criminals were like, like, no, man, I I know you got to be nice for a little bit. I know you got to you got to kiss my ass for a little bit, and I'm going to use that against you to plot how I'm either going to fight you, I'm going to get away from you, or I'm going to create a bad scenario for you. And it seems like all these things that were aimed towards liability started to put cops' lives and the community in danger. I mean, Eric, I'm curious on your perspective of this, but I almost feel like there's a mindset in today's policing world with the public that there's almost this expectation that a cop has to get hurt before they can respond to something. What do you think, man? Uh, absolutely. First of all, I want to go back on what Sal said. So one of the reasons that I became a target by an overzealous civilian complaint review board. So I know many of your viewers are from West Coast and East Coast. we got a great mix, mixed bag here. So if anybody understands, when it comes to the NYPD, the Civilian Complaint Review Board is an independent watchdog completely independent from the New York City Police Department. It's all civilian perspective. There are, there, there is a designee and there is board members and there is one police perspective, but the police perspective, when it comes to voting on a substantiation or unsubstantiation with a case, it really doesn't have an effect because it's only one perspective. So they get outvoted anyway. But what I want to say this is I, even as a Lieutenant, I was out there handcuffing people. I was in charge of a special operations unit in the South Bronx. 
and the confines of the 40042 precinct covering PSA 7, which is housing. And we were extremely effective doing it. And I always use the word, I don't say proactive policing, I coined the term intrusive police work. And the reason why I say that is because there's an understanding, and I want the public to understand that we are savvy and that we actually know case law. And that we don't just go out there aggressively with no purpose. We have significance and purpose and we have a mission. And that based on the case of people versus the board, which is a four-tiered system, that we understand our intrusive, our intrusive levels. So that's the dichotomy. That's the difference between the iconic shield a police officer wears and a, and a, and a, a security guard. Because the security guard observes, reports, or repeats. But a police officer has that shield, what gives them the right to do intrusive police work. You have four different levels to encounter potential suspects to lead to an arrest or not that allows you to be intrusive to invest do investigations. But why I got so much exposure, so much exposure is because post George Floyd, I was the quintessential alpha white male that that was being targeted to be emasculated within police departments. And I had extreme amount of exposure because I was always out there in the front with my men and women. That was always my my belief. And I learned from the Marine Corps, and Alpha, I, Alpha, I know you understand that, is that you leap in the front. That didn't mean that I was in the front blindly, not able to see anything, but I was leading my men in the front, and I made many thousands of gun apprehensions. Sometimes, and I'm not trying to brag, sometimes I went out by myself just to get a cup of coffee, or maybe I had to do some type of run, and I apprehended perpetrators in possession of illegal firearms by myself. So that kind of extreme exposure. So my units knew, knew the perpetrators inside and out. We knew the perpetrators. We knew their family members. We did such good crime analysis. We knew everything we had to know. We studied We studied the, the gangs associated with PSA 7. We were so delved in. PSA 7 actually is the second highest amount of concentration of gang members within, the, uh, within New York City. So that was our forte. All the crimes were facilitated with uh, in correlation with gangs and crews. So most of them are crews. So what I found was, if you actually, if you look at my career, it's very interesting. If you look at the 50A, if I can explain, up till 2018, if there was an article about me, I do believe it would be a completely different article. And you might be saying, oh, that guy's a hero. But from 2018 to my retirement, September 2022, I was painted as a monster and I retired as the most complete cop. So there's a complete difference. You see, from 2004 to 2018, I had complaints, but it was a byproduct of intrusive police work. And it was sporadic. You see, I had a complaint one year, and then one year I had two. And there was about three years that went by and I didn't get any complaints. And I was doing just as aggressive police work as I was doing post-2018. But what was different was the legislation had changed 2018. Under May de Blasio, the CCRB, which is the Civilian Complaint Review Board, got more subpoena power, more funding. The legislation completely changed. And what happened also, you also have to look closely at my career. What the public doesn't tell you is the context of my complaints and how those complaints came towards my desk. It came as a complete tsunami. So 2021 of January, the disciplinary matrix met its inception. And the disciplinary matrix was weaponized by the Civilian Complaint Review Board to try to terminate, terminate me, which was the start of the removal of the alpha white males, the emasculation of the police department. So you can see 2018, I started to accrue complaints. But the complaints, that, so let me just backtrack and say this. The Civilian Complaint Review Board has 18 months from the time of an incident 
to investigate the complaint and to have a disposition. However, there's a little caveat that was used against me in my case. If the 18 months is exceeded, the civilian complaint review board can charge the cop, even though it's civilian, civil of nature, it's an administrative trial, they can charge the cop with a crime if it was believed, ready for this, believed that it could be proven to be a crime in court. So that was happened in my case. So 2018, the cases started to pile up. So once COVID hit, March 20th of 2020, the mayor's, I'm sorry, the governor's executive order extended investigations. So these complaints that would have been closed out, the statute of limitations was now exceeded. I was charged with crimes in a civil uh, administrative nature, but also in these cases, because the governor extended the statute of limitations with the COVID extension, these uh, these cases just kept lingering on. So in my last actual complaint was June 4th, 2020, which emanated from the George Floyd, uh, George Floyd riots. And then I received eight sets of charges in one year on my last year when, when I retired. They all came at once. So keep in mind, 2022, I got all my complaints. One of them was from November of 2018. So that's how far back they went. And the reason why is because with the disciplinary matrix, they wanted to build my own algorithm and to build what's called aggravating factors. So if you ever have an opportunity, you look at the disciplinary matrix of the NYPD and it started to see it's, it's spreading throughout the entire country. And what it has a three-tiered system. So there's a presumptive penalty, which means that's the automatic penalty. And then you have to the right, which is called the aggravating factors. You have rank, time on the job. That would be considered an aggravating factor, and it's a higher penalty. And then there's what's called the mitigating factors, which means that, well, yes, you committed these infractions, but there's mitigating factors. Maybe someone's resisting, so there's a lower penalty. So what I found, and it was why I deciphered the disciplinary matrix so much, what I found is Sal Greco and myself and others were affected by the disciplinary matrix because if you do not fall in the circle of nepotism, you will be hit with the aggravating factors and you will meet termination. True. But if you're this lieutenant that we just saw commit a, a, a vile infraction on camera of stomping on somebody's head, most likely because he's in the right circle, he could face what's called the mitigating factors. And because of his nepotism, his job could be saved. So that's the problem with the disciplinary matrix. But as I said before, I was attacked by this overzealous civilian complaint review board. It's ultimately to remove the alpha white males from the police department and emasculate the police department, remove the veterans, the talent, the skill to pass on, right, to pass the torch to the police officers that come after us and so that they can pass the torch. That's always been the cycle, right? This sergeant that you speak of, Alpha, he passed the torch to you and you passed the torch to others. But now they put a stop to that. It's almost like... It's almost like an abortion when it comes to having kids and they put a stop to the cycle right. and the family tree has been just obliterated. And, and, and if the audience is wondering, well, how does that affect me? You see an uptick, an uptick in use of force. You see an uptick in deadly force. If you got a cop that doesn't have the confidence to do their job, doesn't have not just the confidence, but the actual practical application to go along with the confidence, you run into scenarios that are just bad. 
I was going to save this for the end of the show, but it just feeds into this conversation so well. Let me bring this up. Um, I don't know, Sal or Eric, if if, if you have seen this. Uh, <laughs> it's it's two, two female cops that respond to a front porch. Um, I don't know the full context of this other than the the homeowner um, calls the police for some reason. Well, the homeowner, which is a woman, is walking to the front door. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was someone else that called the police. It was not the homeowner. Now I'm getting. I'm now remembering it. So the homeowner hears, you know, some commotion at the front. So the homeowner comes to the front door inside the house, holding some steel, right? And this is the reaction of what takes place when that happens. So let me bring this on the on the screen, and uh, we'll just watch it real time. It's it's less than a minute. Are they firing at a tree? There's nothing there. They're unloading magazines like it was like candy. So were they disciplined for that? Because that's a clear cut. Like where where why are they firing at a tree? <laughs> Well, it's that that here. Let me bring it back on the screen so people can see what we're talking about here. So let me see. Can you see my cursor? So this this plant tree thing uh, right behind that is the door. Mm -hmm. So the person is coming to the front door right here, but right behind that that tree plant, whatever. Yeah. So over here is like I said, the front door. <laughs> well. There you go, you know. Now, granted, you need context. You really need detailed context, you know, when we Monday night quarterback something like this, 100%. But just some things that you just see right out of the gate that you don't need context for, you know. You know, rounds aren't being thrown at them. They open fire. And I, I'm not sure if it was you, Eric, or Sal, but one of you guys said they're not communicating. So whoever said that, if you just want to add more to that, because I'm 100% on board with that. It's not even that. They're not even. What are they firing at that for? Now, Eric, you were a supervisor. How would you have handled this scene? Your cops do that. Why don't you tell everybody? You're the supervisor. You see that. Well, what, what is your reaction? Well, let's go back to what Alpha, what you're saying, right? which I totally agree with. So we've lost the masculinity in police departments. You know, actually, John and I on our podcast, on New York Times, trying to fill the podcast, we did a podcast months ago, even when things were far better than they are now, and they're deteriorating much worse. We did a podcast called Make the NYPD Masculine Again because we just saw it going down a dangerous road. And we made it and we made this at the same time when they had when Tyree Nichols unfortunately met his demise uh in in, in Tennessee when he was uh, attacked by those four thug police officers. But what we saw is that when we start to remove the masculinity of these police departments, when we're removing burly men and, and women 
and, and, and weightlifters and, uh, and anyone that does any martial arts, anyone that's actually prepared to do this job. So let me just back try to say this, right? Well, so I asked the public this. If, What's if, that? If you want to hold that thought, Eric, because I actually found the article and it's real short, so I can give you full oh, context. Perfect, perfect. So you have to. Yeah, sure. so, so this is dated a few days ago. Um, it's sheriff's deputy shoot woman inside friend's home in Houston. Authorities say body camera footage released on Saturday showed the two Harris County deputies repeatedly firing through the apartment's window after a report of a break in. So that's important. Uh, a Houston woman was shot in her friend's apartment this month by sheriff's deputies who responded to a report of a break-in and fired repeatedly into the home, according to a statement and body camera footage released by the Harris County Sheriff's Office. Early on February 3rd, the woman, Ebony Pouncey, and her friend smashed a window to get inside after forgetting the house key. According to a statement released last week by the civil rights lawyer, <laughs> Ben Crump, <laughs> oh, there you go. I, I knew somebody was going to say something who is representing Miss Pouncey. Uh, the women were startled when after 2 a.m. the deputies began pounding on the door. According Mr. Crump featuring an intruder, fearing an intruder, Miss Pouncey picked up her legally registered firearm and shortly after was struck by five bullets. He said emergency medical workers took Miss Pouncey to a hospital for treatment. The sheriff's office said, well, the nature of her injuries was unclear. Mr. Crump said in his statement that she was recovering. So that's good. According to the Harris County Sheriff's Office, the two deputies responded to a report of an intruder at the apartment on the city's east side at around 2.10 a.m., but found no one inside. Shortly after, a resident of a neighboring apartment told the deputies that someone had broken into another second floor apartment, the Sheriff's Office said. When deputies went to investigate the break-in, they found the front window screen removed, Broken glass, the blinds raised near the front door, the sheriff's office said. The footage retrieved from the deputies' body-worn cameras and released on Saturday shows the two deputies, who appear to be women, climbing the apartment stairs, knocking on the front door, and then retreating a few feet away. One of the deputies says that she sees someone coming and shouts, and then both deputies begin firing repeatedly through the glass windows. Both reload their guns and continue to fire several times. The sheriff's office is investigating the shooting and has placed both deputies involved on administrative leave. No criminal charges have been filed. The Harris County District Attorney's Office is also investigating the shooting, a standard practice when law enforcement officers use potentially deadly force. Neither the sheriff's office nor the district attorney could be immediately reached for comment on Tuesday evening. Now, these are important facts. These are important facts. Um, and, I, and I'm glad I found it, you know, as we comment on this. However, I still think there's some 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 hard criticism to be had so please continue where you were eric i just want to look, say that i'm looking at the chat. Sounds, look. look look eric in the chat right now cujo says use of force continuum different for females question mark aggravator <laughs> was anyone shooting at them if not this is ridiculous i mean this is what the common person watching this is saying so just keep that in mind so you continue eric well, let's keep this in mind, right? So I'm talking about masculine traits. What are masculine traits? Strength, right? So it's important. Even the strongest. Yeah, yeah. Did, did I just go out? Yeah. Everyone. Everyone, even the strongest police officers. Everyone suffers from fear. Right? What's the difference between the hero and the coward? They both feel the same thing, right? But the hero acts on that fear and it becomes bravery. But what's important to note that is for these masculine traits, for you to act on that fear, you have to be pressure tested, right? Most people with masculine traits, men and women, 
right? But, but predominantly men. Let's be honest. This is a predominant male profession. There are some females that are outliers, but it's a predominant male profession because they harbor the masculine traits. Some some women are able to have those masculine traits at work, but those masculine traits are needed to do this job. They're able to be pressure tested, heavy weightlifting, maybe some martial arts, some self-defense where you're training. It's important to be pressure tested. Let's just even backtrack and talk about some small animals. Most small animals, like rats, the reason why they attack is because they're scared. And that's the same thing we see with these two females. They're scared, but they're acting on that fear, right, with, with the improper response. If we had yourself or Sal or myself, we're in shape. We served in the military. We've made hundreds of rests. So we've been pressure tested. So with that pressure testing, we're able to operate with less anxiety. We're much calmer in those situations, which is important. That's why we always tell the public, if you emasculate these police departments, who do you fear more? Two, two young, small females that do not have the physical dexterity of two big, burly men to, to operate? Who do you think is going to fire their firearm first? And you see it right here. Who fired their firearm first? Because they're doing it out of fear. Mm -hmm. But when you have when you have two, let's say, like, two burly men working together, or one, one masculine man and one masculine woman working together, and they have those traits, and they're not acting on their fear in a proper manner. They're able to overcome that fear, where fear becomes bravery, and they're acting smartly, and they have less anxiety. Well, there's a less chance that they're going to use their firearm. But when you have people that are out of shape, and they're not prepared for the task, and they're not prepared for violence, just as you said before, Alpha, confidence. Confidence brings confidence. And if you don't have that confidence in yourself of physical, not just your mindset, but your physical dexterity, that you've met the physical fitness requirements, then you're not going to have the confidence that you could actually take someone down without that firearm. And that firearm doesn't become a last resort. It becomes a first resort because that's what you have to rely on. So masculinity is one of the most important traits for the police, for the police departments and law enforcement professionals to strive. So, Sal, I'm, I'm, I'm going to set you up for all the hate mail because I don't want to get it, brother. No, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> Sal. Looking at, I'm looking at these comments. So look, it's aggravator again. You, you can't shoot fear, though, just saying. And Cujo says you are responsible for every round downrange. I mean, they have a point. I, I'm just, Before we even get to the rounds, though, Sal, <laughs> it's a it's a zero two ten call. Of yeah. a, a residential break in. You're telling me there wasn't at least one male cop to send us backup. And so let me just tell you, and, 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 and maybe, maybe I can only speak for what I've experienced. I don't think I'm going to be alone on this one. Or is it one of those situations where the guy cops know that this female cops always screwing shit up and they don't want to be a part of it. So she has this, you know, uh, this relationship with another female cop where they're going to back each other up. And the reason I say that is I've worked with good female cops. Very, very few, very few, you know, and I've worked with some that I was just like, the sooner you retire, the better you off we are and the community, you know? And yeah. I, I, I know when you're going to a call, you're listening to who's your backup. You know, especially when you're working certain types of calls in certain types of places at certain types of hours. I just think there's probably some underlying variables that will never make its way to an investigation that were probably at play here. But I mean, I agree with you. You know, it's an apartment complex. 
And they, I mean, what, two reloads from one of them? Just one of them had two reloads? I would, I, you know, I say this, uh, when we did this and Eric can attest to this, they would always come here for us. It's a 31 of a break in or robbery or burglary in progress. Then you don't just send one unit. You would actually send a few units and how I would personally handle this. And I've done this in the past. If let's say me, so I'm with Eric, I'm his driver or he's my partner. Me and Eric will say, okay, we're going to take this front door. You two, the other two people or other four people, you're going to go in the back. You're going to cover these windows. We're going to cover this scenario. So what you just witnessed won't happen because in reality, after the only way we're going to fire any rounds is if we see somebody coming out as a weapon, something in their hand, because you can't just fight because they would destroy us. Eric would have to answer for all the cops discharging rounds, including then himself. And they're going to get failure to supervise and all these other charges that will come after him. We'll come for him from the department and or civilian complaint review board. And of course, Mr. Ben Crump, Mr. Civil Rights Lawyer, who has a ton of frivolous lawsuits out there. He would just, he'll eat this one up and he's going to probably win because how are you firing at a tree? Really, that's how you're going to look at it. In the end, that's the end result. How he, do you he, fire on a tree? He took it because he knows this one's going to have two he commas in the check. He yeah. knows there's two commas in this check. Lieutenant, got a question for you. I show up on scene. I'm getting on the radio. Affirmative. Signs of forced entry. Standing by for more units. That That's... I'm starting... Like, like Sal said, that's where I'm starting. I, I mean... From, from at least from the article, granted it is an article, but just going off what the article reads, it seems like the mindset would have been. It looks like a legitimate break in here. It, 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 it looks legitimate. You got you got screen off a window that smash. You know it's that hour. You you, you have a report reporting party that says there was another apartment that was broken into. I mean, I'll give them that. It seems legit. And that's why you have to proceed with caution all the time. And <laughs> I always, I remember I told you this. Maybe I'm a little different. Always in my head and everything I did, I always thought like a lawyer. You're <laughs> on there. This is the trial. Think of this down the road. And you have seconds to think of this. That's why. Look at my record. I've never been in trouble for this reason. Your Honor, my client was in the house. What were you, Officer So-and-So, doing firing into my house? You have, you have to answer these questions. You can't just think about. So you have to proceed with caution. Usually, you have a supervisor there. I don't know where the supervisor is there. I guarantee you, Eric would have said, all right, guys, <laughs> me and Sal take the front door. You two cover the side, cover the windows, go around the back, make sure there's no – you want to see signs of an entrance, sign of force entrance, broken glass, something before you just start firing rounds at a tree. Even if you see movement in the house, you don't know what we have yet. It could it could be anything, motion detector, a, a, a cat ran by, you know, anything. What, well, why how, are you firing into a tree? How do you know the homeowner didn't get home already? And and the homeowner's got a gun because someone, <laughs> someone yeah. broke into their pad. And they could they have the right to fire back at you as a homeowner saying, who the hell is firing into my house? So, they Eric, they must have thought it was a moving tree. They must have thought it was a moving tree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, listen, we all know in the law enforcement profession, right, there's a complete split. I would always say sometimes you have to take your time. And sometimes you have to move in quick, but you have to know when that time is. And that comes with experience, right? Clearly, these two had no idea. They had time. Time was on their side, right? 
I believe you. We, we, I, I think you're right, Alpha. Based on the information that they have, there's a force breaking. That's all they know. They don't know that the person actually resides in, the, in this department. So the response is correct. To have your firearms out, I don't see any problem with that. But to immediately rush in to start firing, they had time on this side. They should wait for more units to surveil and canvas the entire house, the entire residence, before we make an assessment. Make sure all, all entrances and exits are covered and start to make assessment where we're at. And they can also check. They have time on the side. Check on the database. See who actually lives there. If they could get a phone number and actually contact who lives there, they can actually find out that the person, they might even hear the phone ringing when they call. So there's a lot of steps that could have been taken here before they use their firearms. They have their firearms out. I have no problem with it. But they should always keep their finger up the trigger until they're ready to fire. But what also is missed here, right? And this is what we're missing in, in, in the law enforcement profession. In the Marine Corps, we learned you have to know your limitations and your capabilities of the people under you, right? In order to supervise them properly. So who was the sergeant that actually put these two women out together? Because I'm <laughs> saying, listen, right? Who put these two women out together? I worked with, listen, I worked with a lot of women in my career. And as Alpha said, some were terrible and some were great. But you know what? I knew their limitations and capabilities and they knew mine. I didn't expect them to be the to be the front line, to, to you know, to be the first one to take physical action in a tussle, to be the first one to draw the fire up. I expected them to have good eyes, have that trained eye, to be able to use that radio, maybe be the point of contact. So know your limitations and capabilities. But the fact that they put these two small, frayed females together, that's a fault on the leadership. I, I agree, man. I agree. It's and granted, you know, and and five O check um, in, in the chat. Uh, she she made sure to say, "I'm a good one." I know you are five O chick. <laughs> I yeah, know you are. You know, but I would definitely love um, since five O chick is is definitely a, a female cop uh, in the chat. I definitely want to hear your your perspective, and and I know Sal's keeping an eye on the chat. These guys are going crazy. I definitely want to know her, her thoughts on this because, you know, un unfortunately, you know, I've been in four shootings just as a cop, and, and these were shootings where I was being shot at. You know, it wasn't somebody pulling out a wallet like leads being thrown my way. Oh, you mean it's not a, it's not a stationary tree that you're saying? It's not, it's, it's not a stationary uh, plastic ficus. It, it definitely wasn't one of those things. But interesting enough, you know, just because I was in four, I didn't fire back. There's two shootings where I didn't return fire because the scenario wasn't there to do it. And it's one of those things where... It's important. I mean, you you have to know, like, and I think Sal, you're the one that said it. We're responsible for every piece of lead that comes out of that iron or that steel. Yep, you are. You're in an apartment complex. The, those walls, those walls don't stop bullets. Ricochets, correct. You know, how do you? There's there. Do you want this to be the call where there's a little kid on the other side? You know, it's <laughs> just the and there's no communication there, partner. What do you see? You know, you know what's this? And and to, and the reason, and I know I'm being very hypercritical of this, but it's only because of things that I see. The one female cop, when she starts to go down the stairs, turns her back to the scenario as she's going down. That that alone tells me she doesn't have. I saw that too. I saw that too. They, first of all, their tactics were completely 
off the mark. They missed the mark completely. And, and 100%, there was no communication again with them. And that's why I, I used to always try, in a leadership position, when I would team people up, I would always try to try to have a yin, a yin and yang team. So I would try to have someone's a complete alpha and someone's a beta. You want them together so that they can communicate. If you have two alphas together or two betas together, sometimes that does break on the communication. So you need a good yin and yang combination. It's almost like a marriage. You need a good relationship so that they can communicate to get the job done. But what do we see here? Complete lack of communication. Absolutely nothing. So here's the thing. <laughs> Chances are body cameras somewhere on the chest, right? Which means you're somewhere. Gone at her, yeah. Which means that for you now, granted, just because the body camera is that way doesn't mean that her head's pointed the same way. She could, you know, the person wearing the body camera, she could still have eyes, you know, on, on the alleged suspect. But I mean, this, this makes me cringe. And, and listen, this is not something that's isolated to, to, to female cops. You know, I, I was involved in, in a shooting scenario where we're, you know, actually I'm, I'm conflating to the, the story that I want to share was a cop that was on training. And it was, you know, foot pursuit, suspect ends up having a gun. Long story short, the guy that's on training, and it's a, it's a, it's a male, says, I'm done. T tells the FTO, take me back to the station. FTO's like, hey, what the hell's going on? And he's like, he had a gun. And it's like, well, yeah, that's, that's what we do, man, you know? And, but, you know, this, this, this male cop had at least the integrity to put us all in a better place to say, hey, now that I know what this is like, this ain't for me, man. Now check this out. You're going you're gonna to lose your shit on this one, Eric. We support that. Disappointing. We invested a lot of money in this guy, right? Disappointing. Because he was an out-of-state lateral and all this. So a lot of money went into this cat. FTO takes him back to the station. You know, meets, meets with the lieutenant. Female lieutenant. <laughs> facts are facts. I'm sorry. Gives out this gives the scenario, right? Of what just happened. Kid wants to quit. All right, bring Here it in. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. They talk to him, right? He goes home. We're like, dude's done, right? He's in briefing the next morning. So all of us are like, what the f right? FTO goes, meets with the lieutenant, says, You guys just gotta work with them. We we talked with them, you just gotta work with them. And the FTO, and, and and this, you know, a lot of years on this FTO program is just like, what the hell's wrong with you guys? This guy's telling me that the gun scared the shit out of him, and this is not the job for him. And, and you want to force him into this career? The guy didn't even finish the second shift. You know what I mean? That the FTO literally took him to the scariest places that the city has. And he was just like, ah. <laughs> which was a favor. He, he did the kid a favor. He did us all you thought you saw a gun before you thought you saw a gun before. Wait, you see some of this stuff over here. You know, but yeah, you know what? But I have respect for that. Like I had the integrity enough and the fortitude to say, "Listen, this is not for me." So I'm going to hurt myself, and I'm going to get you hurt. So let me walk out now. I respect him more than I do the lieutenant that tried to force him back into the job. Yeah, absolutely. You guys, the, the, these comments are great. These people. Catch us up. What do we got, Sal? Yeah, these comments. These comments are saying that they 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 trust men and not women in this scenario. There's a lot. There's a lot here about that. I, I and I, I I hear you. And I mean, we'll take what the last week we had that video of that. By the way, that lieutenant that we mentioned last week on that video, 
He's been modified in there pending an investigation. If you notice, I remember I was the first one to call out. He hit the guy in the face with a gun. Yes, he did. He put his gun in his hand and punched him and knocked him into this car. While I don't know if anybody noticed while that was going on and his two cops came to render, you know, take the guy out of the car. That lieutenant had his gun pointed at his two cops in the back. Another tactical disaster right there. And then when he's on the ground and he's struggling and all this, he decides to kick him in the face as the perp, the, the defendant there, who, by the way, I don't, I don't have no sympathy for him. Because, listen, when you're on a car chase, when you when a police officer puts his lights on, you pull over immediately. If you want to run now for 107 mile an hour and make a cop chase you all the way, you should be liable for any property damage, any damage, whether you run someone over, kill them. It's the guy running's fault, not the cop's fault. Let's make that very clear. But as a cop, you make this guy, he gets out of the car and he's giving up and you hit him in the face with a gun, then point your gun at your two cops trying to effect an arrest. The, the perp is clearly out of it. You stun them. Then he kicks them on the ground. He can't even put his head on his back because he's having convulsions. You're wrong. That's that scenario. And leading into this is why I want to like change this just a little bit is that, so my friend Eric here, and John Macari, two retired lieutenants, have their podcast, Retired Unfiltered Podcast. It's on YouTube. It's all over the place. They're very critical of the NYPD in general. Why? They were supervisors. They believe that the leadership, the fair leadership of one New York City Mayor Eric Adams, one of the, the most, I'll say this, he's corrupt. He's the best dressed mayor since Jimmy Walker. The most corrupt mayor since William O'Dwyer, and the most incompetent mayor since Bill de Blasio, former cop, by the way, Eric Adams. He's running the city into the ground. Illegals, he sends so cops go into this shelter, a migrant shelter there, where the security can't even do the job. The cops, I, I don't know where this video is, they got assaulted by these illegals. You're sending four or five cops with a supervisor where there's hundreds of these animals running around throwing objects. Is one of the that video in itself got me infuriated. But what I'm going to go back to is with Eric and John. So their podcast is critical of certain characters. We have Cass Daudry, a detective that has a civilian rank now, but still has a gun on his hip and acting like a cop, even though he's a commissioner. That's a whole nother subject. But he's a guy, he has a thin skin, not thick skin, thin skin. So when Eric and John are critical of A, policy, B, how they run a department, See how how the city and how the uh, the state has certain laws that bring the you know the department down and screws over a cop and they're advocating for them and getting change. This is Eric and John's podcast, so this all comes forward. I'm going to set the stage here. So I go on his show and yeah, what you heard me always talk about, Cone Sofrito in the Bronx, this this nightclub that's a felon haven, run illegally, all kinds of stuff. They've they've admitted to illegality run by the police commissioner's brother and this criminal who's a mob associate, Jimmy Rodriguez. He had me on his show, and the next thing you know, their Instagram, their Twitter, their phones are blowing up, and it's all kinds of people on there. And who are they? They're cops. So, Eric, why don't you explain to people, because John was on here explaining this, but they're actually now, but they're actually calling their phones today. Today they were doing it, today. And that's what an internal affairs complaint given to them by John and Eric. Explain all this, because I think people need to hear this. This is crazy. So, it's kind of ironic that you brought this up, right? So, 
I mean, we completely did a seismic shift here. We're talking about meek, timid cops that don't have the masculine traits to do the job. And now we're talking about a unit that is completely the opposite. They're aggressively out of control. So I, I used to say, in order to be effective, you have to have aggressive control. That fine line right in the middle. Not meek, not overly aggressive. You have to find that fine middle, which ultimately means professionalism. So, but this unit in particular, which is the citywide response team of the NYPD, they actually wear a separate uniform, right? The, the uniform of the NYPD is a blue shirt, blue pants. Unless you're a supervisor, you have a white shirt, lieutenant above. But for this particular unit, they've, on a citywide level, they have been the quasi-anti-crime team that was disbanded in June 2020 as a result of the George Floyd riots. And what we see here is this unit has been very close you know, we use the terminology very close to the king. The shooter has had all the amenities and the perks that other members of the police department have not had. They're close to Kaz Daughtry, who's now the deputy commissioner of operations of the police department, along with John Shell, who's the chief of patrol. And they've been tasked with conducting and performing vehicle pursuits on a daily basis. This has become a tactic to curb crime in New York City. And yes, listen, sometimes it's necessary. But the overwhelming majority of police pursuits should not take place because it just the totality of circumstances, it's too much danger to the public. And so John and I were trying to advise the unit that this is a tactic. They, they don't want to take this road. We've seen numerous cops throughout the country have been tried and now imprisoned for taking part of vehicle pursuits. So we were attacked on social media. And it's completely obvious that there's a nexus from this unit to the two uh, weak appointed management members I told you about, Cass Daughtry and John Shell. And we saw a correlation that it's obvious that they were doing it while they're working. They were attacking us on social media, John and I, to suppress our First Amendment, to suppress us from continuing this podcast, from being critical of the weak appointed management of the NYPD. On a daily basis, we put out memes. Of, you know, If anybody wants to take a look, we put out memes on Twitter and, and Instagram about the NYPD. and satire. They're funny. They're critical of the management, but they're meant to be humorous. And ultimately, the goal is to create balance so that the weaker points of management can see this and do better. But instead, they've taken a complete different spin. And we've been attacked. It's been a complete smear campaign on social media. Along with that, there was a fake uh, a fake moniker called All Cops Are Wolf. There's actually active members hiding behind this moniker who've attacked John and I to the point where they've actually threatened our families. Not pictures of our kids, but indirectly pictures of other kids threatening our families, including a map drawn from this particular so-called residence of Nebraska for this active member, which we know is New York, drawn a line to Florida where we both reside, a picture of uh, zip ties and, and duct tape. And also there were some references, well, you shut my boss's place down. We're going to shut you down. Talk about constantly. John himself had a direct threat from the uh, the manager, the, also the, the owner, and who actually runs Casa Fritos, Jimmy, Jimmy Rodriguez, who's also known to have mob ties. And we know that the information about John was given to him by the upper echelon of the NYPD, which we believe is Ed Caban, the police commissioner. <coughs> Excuse me. And I myself, I was actually threatened on my personal cell phone from who is hiding behind all cops and all. So this was all going on. Eventually, it came to the point that we made internal affairs complete. Not something that we would normally do, but the fact that we threatening our families, this is someone that's unhinged who should not be walking around with a badge. But after that, it continues to happen, including today, 
John himself actually received a prank call with music in the background of Unsolved Mysteries. At the same time, there was a post from one of these detectives from the chief department's office with the same music. So it, it, it's completely childish. It's out of control. We're laughing at it, but it's embarrassing to see. In the beginning of this podcast, Alba, you have your intro of this fibula line, camaraderie, cops dying, dying for law enforcement, dying for the country. And then we have these complete childish losers that are, that are take, you know, acting out and threatening a podcast. They can't handle the criticism of the public and they can't handle, handle the criticism of two retired lieutenants that they have to try to come after us. It's embarrassing. It's just complete disgrace. You know, something I noticed in, in my career, and I'm curious if, if you guys noticed it, <laughs> there's a lot of similarities in certain characteristics of cops and criminals. There, there's a, a lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. So then one asks, then, well, what separates you? And, and, and Eric, you've, you've pretty much hit that nail repeatedly during this podcast of the controlled chaos, you know, the controlled aggression, you know, it's one, you, you have some of these cops that that's what they are. They're criminals. They just had a clean enough background to get them into that door. But these guys are thugs. You know, I can never fathom threatening a man's family even of my enemy like like you're you're my enemy not your family your family shouldn't be persecuted because i hate you and you hate me but these guys man they're just they're not right they're not right up there Here, here's a question for you guys i want to make sure i word this properly is it reasonable for audience members that are from New York that watch this, because this podcast will have anywhere between 40 and 60,000 views ultimately. Is it reasonable for people that are from New York to call this precinct or to email this precinct and say, hey, I got a concern with this particular video that I saw, and I have a concern that you have you know, high-ranking officials from the agency at this Confrecito place and, and I like to know, is that okay? Are you guys within policy? Is it reasonable for our audience to do that, whether by phone call or email? And if it is reasonable and it's not going to get nobody in trouble, what precinct and what and, and what numbers do they look for to call? Well, I think uh, you can go to internal affairs, but they're going to cover up because Eddie Caban is the police commissioner. The place is run. It's owned by his brother. His brother, right now, it's a he's a felon because technically... Reckless endangerment, which is a D felony in New York, he had the place open under all these violations. He never had a CFO in a party room. It's untold amount of people that were put in danger. For what reason? Money. And a lot of this is a lot of stuff going on in the background. So I would I would actually veer towards the uh, OIG of the Department of Investigation. That is the Inspector General of the Police Department for the Department of Investigation. If there's any kind of complaints, you would give it there. They have their own website. And you can mention Contrafrito. You can mention everything. We Look at my own Twitter. You could see a ton of uh, videos and pictures of them being chummy chummy with these people. But I just wanted to ask Eric another question. So, Eric, the, the lieutenant from last week that I mentioned, I had the, uh, you know, kick the guy in the face and punch him with a gun who's now modified. Uh, did he ever uh, threaten you or say anything to you or John online during this whole melee of this mess of them contacting everybody? Well, it's pretty funny, right? Because 
John and I both said, we're, we're not going to seek vengeance in this, right? Because we believe, and I, I always say, I believe the fruits of a poisonous tree, they will rot themselves. And that's what's happening here. Right? This lieutenant actually spearheaded the smear, smear campaign on social media from the CRT unit. He's the lieutenant of the unit. He even got his captain involved and all his underlings got involved. So it just shows you, I always say, leadership is the most important, valuable tool of any organization to thrive. And the leadership is completely failed. We see with upper management, they're weak, egotistical um, characteristics, and it's trickled down to the low line level leadership. And we see it in this lieutenant. And, and it's funny, right? Because John and I both said, if this lieutenant, along with his unit, is acting like this on social media, how are they going to treat the public? And sure enough, not that long did we foreshadow this incident. We see it firsthand of how they treat the public. Yes. Was this was this subject out of control? Did he flee the police? Absolutely. Does he deserve to go to jail? Absolutely. Does he still deserve to be treated uh, with respect and dignity? Listen, I have no problem. We use force. I own it. I've punched perps in the face. I've kicked them to the groin. I've kicked them to the chest. But it was there was a significant purpose and a mission. I was either trying to overcome resistance, trying to get that firearm, trying to over, overcome resistance from them punching me, punching someone else. I have no problem with them taking them down. But when they start to cross that line where the force has no mission and they're emotionally invested, because you have to mostly detach. And we see that when he kicks that perpetrator to the head, that spoke volumes to me. That tells me what's going on in that unit. And that's not the first time. It's the first time he got caught. That That's the scary thing. It's the first time they got caught. Imagine, imagine what those numbers look like that nobody knows about. I mean, you're talking some Alonzo training day. These these are the guys. Yeah, exactly. That, these are the guys that give law enforcement a bad rap. These are the guys that make the job dangerous for the good cops. Mm -hmm. These are the guys. Absolutely. You're 100 right. But the, and the problem is, these guys. I mean, they've actually created like a two tiered police department. So they've created this outcast. So anyone, anyone that's operating in a blue uniform that doesn't work directly for the chief of patrol or cash dormitory deputy commissioner of operations. They're being treated by a different standard. These guys, the citywide response team, they're in the tan pants. They're getting all the amenities. They operate with a legal team. They have the chiefs with them, and there's a complete different standard. How do we know it? Not just by observation, but because it's actually factual data. This lieutenant was involved in a controversial incident where he's seen on camera kicking a perpetrator to the head while he's down, and his arms are pinned. He was modified. What does modified mean in the New York City Police Department? That you're sitting on a desk, you, you don't have your firearm, but you're operating in a full duty role where you're still getting paid the same amenities as you were before. You're just not on the street. Yeah. We've seen other incidents with cops who've done far less and they were suspended. So what's the standard here? Stop, what do you think about that? I think this is disgraceful. This guy should not only be uh, suspended, but he should be charged criminally. I don't know what they're waiting on. They suspended and charged a, a sergeant for throwing a cooler at someone where the guy unfortunately passed away. And whether you agree with that or not, he's suspended, he's charged, and this guy who clearly put this guy in the hospital, and by the way, the other person in the car who they locked up, which is the girlfriend, said this person, unlike what this lieutenant saying on his complaint, saying that he ingested cocaine, they're saying it was no cocaine. He didn't ingest anything. So we, this is something we need to uh, look at very closely, this entire case, because 
I don't like what I'm hearing with this. And uh, to sum this all up, okay, like I'm now as an outsider, what I'm hearing here is the NYPD leadership, which we already know with the Consofrito thing, we'll call it the Consofrito crew. So Eddie Caban is your police commissioner. The chief of department, Jeffrey Madry, who is Kaz Daudry, the commissioner, deputy commissioner of, of operations. That's his buddy. That's how he got anywhere in the police department. And John Shell, the chief of the uh, patrol, you have a, have a unit called a CRT, Community Response Team. They run around in khakis and they do all the, quote unquote, dirty work for the NYPD, making all these arrests for things. Uh, this unit took offense to you or John saying anything about anything in regards to their leadership skills, anything NYPD related or consofrito. And then they decided to act like thugs online, harass you and your family, which is illegal and goes against their own uh, patrol guide procedures, their own department policy, and it's a federal crime technically harassing people online. And then this particular lieutenant who's in that unit, along with another lieutenant, he harassed you. There was no, you made an allegation. Internal Affairs has not done anything with this apparently. Now, from those allegations, this person was active on duty uh, on the street and now put a guy in a hospital. That's the whole scenario, what I'm hearing here. Is that is that correct? Well, I, well, I definitely. We know that the part. Listen, I, I listen. Even though, even though I have a complete disdain for this lieutenant, I think he's completely immature. I don't think he deserves to even have a badge and a gun based on his 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 interactions he had with China on social media. It's something I would never do. Even with that, I believe that he deserves a fair and due process in regards to this incident. But I will say, based on the video alone, the optics are terrible. Yeah, this is terrible. We know that the person, we know that the subject went to the hospital. Was it the cause of this lieutenant? We can infer. I, I just have a reason to believe, but I want to see the outcome first of what the results are from the doctor. I will give him the benefit of the doubt that the benefit of the doubt that wasn't given to you, Sal, wasn't given to John McCarry, and wasn't given to myself because we're better than that. But what I can tell you also with this lieutenant is everything comes full circle. He was advocating for his weak point of management, how they're the best things to slice bread. They refer to themselves as dream team. But now, in this incident, yes, he was forwarded some nepotism that we haven't seen. He was modified and not suspended, so he's not losing any pay. But we haven't heard the same bosses that he fought so hard for, that he put his job in a line with this unprofessional social media interaction. We have not heard one public statement yet from either John Shell, the chief of patrol, or Cass Daughtry, deputy commissioner of operations. We have not heard one word supporting them or in their defense. So right now, that's my point when it comes to the disciplinary matrix. If he was applied the aggravating factors, he would be suspended. But because he's in this circle, circle of nepotism, he's getting the mitigating factors, and he was modified. So I, I love to see how this plays out so that we can actually show how the disciplinary matrix works along with this nepotism. I don't wish anyone harm, but I wish the public to be safe and safe from these thugs. And this team needs to be disbanded immediately because they're out of control. Yeah, you know, I know you don't wish them, you know, I know you wish them the, the fairness and I get that, but it's the response to things that tell me a lot about the character of a person. And, and rather than them being, Hey, we have a training issue here. We have an anger management issue here. That could be the result of how, how many, uh, you know, possible things that are out there. It's a rough job. This 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 job can turn good cops into people that make mistakes, and and not because of any nefarious reason, other than we don't take care of our guys the way we should. 
you know, and some, and sometimes it's when a mistake is made that we realize that guy has a problem. That's not what I see here. What I see here is an abuse of authority, and, which is a completely different thought, you know, when you look at this. And then the fact that they're, you know, threatening you guys and the measures that they're taking to threaten you guys. If I'm the DA or part of the OIG's office, I'm looking at conspiracy charges, intimidation charges. I'm looking at affiliations with gang members from Costa Frito. Like I'm dropping the hammer on these clowns. It's just, you know, gangs was my thing. And this country created some really great enhancement things for the right people. The only problem is we're using them against the wrong people. And it's just, it's bizarre to me to to see this what so <laughs> what where do where's the jurisdiction of these guys so when i go to new york i'm like i'm gonna stay out of this hood while these guys are still in charge of things there's actually they call the community response team i actually refer to them as a criminal response team because that's how they're acting and every positive feedback comes to leadership and every negative feedback comes to leadership. So I think this unit needs to be disbanded because the leadership is complete faulty. The leadership is terrible. So they've learned from these faulty leaders. And unfortunately, I'm sure there's some outliers that are good in that unit. But as far as I'm concerned, I think it needs to be completely disbanded, stripped away, and start over with the right men and women. Along with that, John Shell needs to be removed. He needs to resign immediately. He's a cowboy and it's trickled down to these guys. That's why they're that's why they're running around like animals. Because this cowboy John Shell has a checkered past on the job. He shot someone in what he claims is an accidental discharge. I don't even know how he's in his position. So these guys are learning from him. So he picked people also to check the past. This unit needs to be completely disbanded, start over. We need new leadership. I think that this lieutenant, what we saw from this lieutenant is that they say every thief gets caught, and he got caught. Throughout his career, he's had complaints, not just from civilian viewpoint like myself. He's had complaints from the DA's office. He's had complaints from other cops. For other cops to stand out and say they have a problem with him, this guy's out of control. He needs to be removed. He doesn't deserve that badge and gun. That sense speaks volumes to me. I don't even need the context of the entire video because I can tell you this. I've punched perps to the face numerous times. I've used extreme amount of force to overcome resistance, overcome the most violent perpetrators. But I'd never kick someone to the face when they were down. That's cowardly. It's disgusting. I don't even like seeing it on, on my worst enemy. Uh, I completely, completely agree with that. These, these guys are caught. Here's the other thing. Not only do these guys need to be investigated for what they're doing, I would venture to say that if you do truly have an, a, an administration that's looking to right wrongs, I would even go look into the personnel files of the guys that filed complaints against these guys and look at the allegations that these guys were probably subjected to afterwards. You know, oh, you complained against one of our boys. You're going to pa get passed up on this promotion. Hey, you're going to get sent to. I, I guarantee you, just from what I hear, that if you were looking to these guys that actually had the nuts to go and file a complaint, they've probably been dealing with bullshit ever since they filed that complaint. And that sucks. That, that sucks to be persecuted, you know, mm -hmm. because you're doing the right thing, you know, when everybody else wanted to stay silent. Uh, real quick, John, we got to get to the, the last two commercials before we're on our way out. I have the 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 finestunfiltered.com scrolling across the bottom of the screen. You want to tell a little bit about people about uh, your co-host? He's been on the show before, but what kind of content do you guys have there? Um, just pimp it out, man. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. For, first of all, thank you for the opportunity and giving this platform to plug the podcast. So John McCary, he's a retired lieutenant from the NYPD. He was the founder and the co-host of the podcast. 
when John founded this podcast, he started interviewing people, memorializing their careers. I was still in the last couple of months of my career, but I reached out to John and said, listen, I need to get the story out. So John gave me an opportunity as the most complaint cop. He gave me an interview and it went, it, it did pretty well. It went viral. A lot of people wanted to hear the story. So I decided to John, listen, you and I both, we got to team up together. We got to give our perspective, 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 perspective and analysis of what's going on, how policing has been penetrated by politics. So right now we do what's called the 265 Police Live Series, where we discuss police incident scenarios. We talk about the NYPD. We talk about the politics, the weak management. We talk about masculinity. We give our perspective. It's an opinion. It's based on anecdotal, uh, our anecdotal experience. It's also based on fact. And uh, we're getting an extreme amount of support. We've also gotten a lot of hate. But when you get hate, that means you're doing something right. That's what I've been telling Sal. But ultimately, the most important thing, I believe, is that you know our intention is to be catalysts for change when it comes to civilian affairs. View board, John had to retire because of the vaccine mandate, to right wrongs, and also explore the discipline matrix that has been used to weaponize and terminate cops. And ultimately, number one, expose the hypocrisy. And that's what we see with the NYPD. And I'm sure you see with your police department and other police departments. It's hypocrisy. Sal, it's exposing hypocrisy. The, the, the beef was not with Jimmy Contefritos. It was to expose the NYPD that they're consorting and they're affiliating with no criminals. And yet they're operating as upper echelon of the NYPD. And yet Sal Greco has a relationship and a friendship with Roger Stone, who was pardoned, which means he has no criminal history. And he was terminated. So just to see the complete hypocrisy. And we see the hypocrisy with this lieutenant. In his case, he was modified. In other cases where cops have been charged, they were suspended. They lost pay. So where's the standard? We see hypocrisy. So please watch the podcast. New York Spires, we're trying to fill the podcast. We give our perspective. We are open to criticism. We're open to comments. Contact us anytime. You can find us on Twitter, John D. McCary, and you can find myself, Most Complaint Cop. Also, we're on Instagram. Thank you, everyone, for the support, and I hope... Uh, you got some content you like to hear. And uh, I love the opportunity. If I can come on again or anytime, I, I thank you. Uh, you're definitely going to come on again. I need to hit up Sal because I got some ideas for the future, man. <laughs> I got, I, I, you guys probably know where my brain's going because great minds think alike. Uh, listen, there's almost 2,000 people that are watching live right now. Uh, if you guys don't know, if you're new to Rumble, one of the things that helps these shows in the algorithm is that like button. So don't be lazy, man. Smash that damn thing, right? The second thing that helps shows on Rumble is the comments section, not the live chat. Live chat is great for when, when the show's on, but comments are what memorial, memorialize your guys' opinions or dislikes of the show. But in addition to that, it shows the interactiveness of the show. So that's another thing that helps with the algorithm of these shows to get into the leaderboard. So two things that I really ask you guys to do, smash that like button and then go down and leave a comment. If it's something as simple as we like the show or if it's something that you, hey, I'd like to see you. You guys know cops, you have neighbors, you have stories, things that we're just not going to see because this country is so huge. Drop a link and say, hey, I would love to see you guys talk about this. You know, one of the things that I, I want to see if Sal's up for is I'd like to do, you know, a reaction thing, you know, and, and we can do that based off content that you guys send us. Yep. Um, I just would love to get this audience uh, more engaged um, than they already are. And I, I could tell by the chat today it was engaged. I guess we shouldn't talk about female cops. <laughs> So with that, uh, let, let me hit up uh, two sponsors and then we'll give our, our final thoughts, fellas. So let me take that off real quick. Let me put up the video. No bugs beef. 
Com. Family meeting time. When the store shelves are empty in the coming months, how are you going to provide protein for your family? Protein is a critical building block for survival. And knowing that you have Sue's Veed freeze-dried all-American beef from ranches in Texas that have never, ever given their cows an mRNA jab on your pantry shelf will be giving you tremendous peace of mind. Meet No Bugged Beef, a veteran-owned distributor of premium freeze-dried beef that's stored in Mylar bags with oxygen absorbers for maximum shelf life. No Bugs Beef Cubes will stay shelf-stable for more than 10 years without refrigeration and with maximum nutrition and flavor. Just soak it in water for 15 minutes and it's ready to eat. They aren't typical survival meats. These are premium cups of ribeye, New York strip, tenderloin, sirloins, and chuck. Don't let your family get caught without premium protein on your shelves. Go to badlandsmedia.tv slash nobugs and use promo code BADLANDS for an additional 10% off your order. That's badlandsmedia.tv slash nobugs, promo code BADLANDS. Uh, me and Ken interviewed the, the CEO owner of that company last week on SITREP. Let me tell you guys, the dude takes, he's a veteran, he takes pride in, in what he does um, with this company, he, he was a Marine and then from the Marine went to the army. It's the only hiccup I got with them. You know, it's a conversation we've got to have, but it's okay. Not everybody's perfect, but he, he's so dedicated to making sure that this is an America first company that he actually found out that one of the companies that was, the, that he was doing the Mylar bags from was saying that they were American made and he ends up finding out they weren't. So he freaking recalled this stuff, pulled it off went and found a company that truly was American-made when it came to the Mylar bags and corrected course. Something that we would have never known as the consumer, but it shows the integrity of this guy to put something of quality that's out there. So No Bugs Beef, um, you guys, uh, badlandsmedia.tv slash no bugs, promo code badlands. And then our last commercial, but definitely not our least. This one's pretty cool. This is a new one. Let me bring this up so I can read it. There we go. Uh, loaded Gun Coffee. I know you like the way that sounds. Wake up to the bold flavors of Loaded Gun Coffee, where passion, precision, and patriotism infuse every sip. As a veteran-owned business, we ensure each cup is steeped in pride and unwavering commitment. Our roasters handpick the finest coffee beans from around the world and have mastered unique brewing methods. Our skilled farmers cultivate the coffee to embody the essence of the duty and honor in every meticulously crafted blend. But it's more than just coffee. It's a family-enduring commitment to freedom. With military veterans tracing their legacy back to the Civil War, including Purple Heart recipients, Loaded Gun Coffee is brewed testament of pride and honor. Dedicated to preserving the integrity and strength of our beloved nation, we proudly stand as fierce advocates for a secure border and a strong America, and we stay loaded. Stay loaded, Badlanders, with Loaded Gun Coffee. Visit badlandsmedia.tv slash loaded and enter promo code BADLANDS for 10% off of your purchase. That's badlandsmedia.tv slash loaded, promo code BADLANDS. You know, it, one thing that I like is, yes, we're paying the bills, but we're also putting... We're creating a parallel economy of people that love this country, mm -hmm. you know, people that believe in patriotism, people that are veterans and hire veterans. You know, we, we spend money on a lot of stupid shit. You know, we're all guilty of it. Find a way to stop using that money on stupid stuff and, and invest it into the people that are keeping content like this out there, you know, helping me pay bills and Sal pay bills and Eric pay bills. Like you guys just don't understand, you know, helping these sponsors this the ripple effect and what it does is when other sponsors see that sponsors are being successful on shows like this they come and then all of a sudden our parallel economy starts to grow and i'm telling you the one thing that talks is money 
And when we start to hurt the government and the businesses that they support that want to kill us, our government doesn't like us. They want to kill us. You know, we speak with our dollar. That, that That's what it comes down to. So, uh, Sal, uh, final words from you, and then uh, I'll give Eric the last message. Go for it, brother. Yeah, I mean, it was an honor to have Eric on tonight. Obviously, I want to always keep bringing him back and John back. And I do believe we do have some future ideas that would uh, make sense. Uh, it's, a, it's a shame I wanted to get to another video, maybe do it next week. If, I, if you go on my Twitter, you'll see that uh, one of these politicians from New York in the State Assembly was a consofrito uh, frequenter, we'll say. They're all partying on a stage where Carl Hasty's there. I mean, it's just this is New York and everything in general. Those politicians, those cops. As the song goes, they just want to party all the time, party all the time, party all the time. They have no time to do anything else other than maybe John Shell, who I think he lives for the NYPD his whole life. So uh, that 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 this is a, an alarming thing that we just it's just going to keep bubbling up. So Eric, I think exposed a lot of hypocrisy tonight. That's just a little bit. I definitely recommend you guys. Check out his podcast. It's amazing. It's out every Sunday. They have a new one every Sunday night at 8 o'clock. So I would definitely check them out. Check out their prior podcast. You'll see me on there. And, uh, you know, I've been on there. A couple other people I know have been on there. And they, they break down not only NYPD, but policing and society in general. So I, I highly recommend it. And, you know, as you can see, if you want to follow me, go to uh, Sal Greco on uh, Twitter or Instagram. And uh, I'm telling you, check out my Twitter, the latest post with these uh, politicians that were, it's not even me. They post it on their own social media. I don't know who they think is watching, but when the regular people watch it and they see it, they're going to go, oh my God, my taxpayer dollars, you guys are supposed to be legislating because this one wrote, Chantrell Jackson, that's her name. She's an assembly leader, assembly woman in, in New York State. She wrote, are we legislators or are we rappers? I just want you to know that. That's what she wrote. Is that me? It's not me. See, I'm just showing you what they do right in your face. Then when you ask questions, they're the least transparent people in the world. And I guarantee they're going to hide behind your racist because I'm black. Number one thing these people love to do in New York, especially Eric Adams and them. Oh, 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 you can't do that because, you know. When we were in office, you guys, uh, you know, none of people of uh, my my kind of people haven't been in office. What are you talking about? People don't care about your race. It's what you're doing, your policies. Because flip the script, and if it's a room full of white guys saying, "Look at us, are we legislators or rappers?" What would happen? It doesn't matter about race. It's the people. You guys are in charge. You're in charge. That's what's in charge. Alpha. That's what's scary. And, and you know, and with that, I like to thank uh, Eric for coming on. Uh, I, I hope you come, you know, come back in the future, you and John. And I, I'm not going to leave that uh, lieutenant, whatever his name, Stepopolis. I'm not going to leave that incident alone. I'm sorry. He should have been on a desk when Eric made that complaint. And that was my main focus. Eric made the complaint to internal affairs. Why was he still in the street when you know he's harassing people online? Him and his little crew. That's all I have to say. You guys, uh, go to X, go to Twitter, at the Sal Greco. Those are the tweets. We need to get momentum behind them. Eric, your final thought, brother. Uh, absolutely. First of all, I want to say great team, Alpha and Sal. I think you guys are doing a great job. I really thank you for this opportunity. Sorry about my voice. I'm, I'm getting better. I hope I was able to be clear. Thank you so much to your audience. Anyone that's interjecting on these chats, I appreciate the comments. We appreciate the support. 
And, and I can tell you this, Alf, it's been a pleasure to meet you and your, your insight of policing and your perspicacious mindset on this is great. So I want to tell you, since I met you, unfortunately, I met you through turmoil, met you, uh, you know, on the end of your career through, mm -hmm. through your, uh, through your turmoil, but you know, you've turned something uh, negative into something positive. And I would say, I'm extremely proud of you to see you grow and see to the point where you're here speaking about hypocrisy. People like yourself, you don't just speak for yourself. You speak for all the members of law enforcement, just like Alpha. You speak for all members of law enforcement. Only 2%, they say there's a study, only 2% of people actually speak out. So we fall into that 2%. And what I've learned from doing this podcast is that the opinions are the most scariest thing in the entire country. I think people are more scared of opinions than a gun to their head. And again, you know, to my co-host and founder of the podcast, John McCarry, I, you know, I know he's watching this. I really appreciate that he and I teamed up doing this together because there's strength in teams. You have to be together. He and I, he supports me. I support him through these attacks that we received from the weight of the police department. And it's been a strength so we can continue on. But honestly, guys, I'm so proud of you guys that you are part of 2% speaking out. I'm proud to know you. I hope we continue building this um, this fight together. We have to be the cows for change. I always say it, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. Let's continue to keep making noise because silence is, silence is a virtue, but silence does not help anyone get further in this. So for those that have been knocked down in your life and you can turn that around and succeed, that's a powerful thing. That's what you've done, Sal. Alpha, that's what you've done. And I hope to do the same. I hope to follow your footsteps to turn my career, how I was smeared into something positive and to succeed from it. And we could all do that together. And I, and I really thank you guys. Thank you everyone for watching. And uh, a pleasure. If you could ever have me on again, I'd be happy and proud. Thank you. Oh, you can count on it. Uh, for the audience that's wondering, listen, uh, bad people, when they do bad things and get caught, they fall apart. When you try to do bad things to good people, you just motivate them. They get stronger. Their character gets stronger and they accomplish more. And I, I think you saw that uh, through multiple stories today. If you guys want to follow me, go to thealphawarriorshow.tv. Once again, thefinestunfiltered.com. Go there, follow these guys on social media. I know you guys hate Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, but it's an information war, you guys, and you don't abandon the trenches when you're in a war. With that short little outro that I made today, 30 seconds, uh, there's a final copy that's about three minutes. I got a long intro, might as well have a long outro, but that one's coming next week. So uh, with that, you guys, hopefully you enjoy this one, and we'll see you next time. God bless. <laughs> I'm <laughs> <laughs>